When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Wheeland, and as has become the, the, the norm now, we are uh, talking about Two two games of football that have transpired in the last week since we last spoke to you. Billy, Billy, two games, you're saying? Yes, that's right. We're now Billy, two games, like a lot of the top teams play two games in a week. And now that we're part of the uh, uh, the top six teams and have knocked Tottenham Hotspur out of that top six and will West Ham will form part of a new breakaway league with some other teams in Europe and be a 20-game or 12-game league, um, we are now playing two games of football every week instead of the usual one. Three, if you include uh, the ladies' game, which we beat Manchester City. Uh, the uh, West Ham women beat Manchester City, didn't they? Uh, Two nil, and uh, I watched it, and it was great. Mm-hmm. So, here to talk about those are our founding father of Stop Hammer Time, founding father. I would go as far as to say who took part in the writing of the Constitution of Stop Hammer Time, uh, which has got a lot of clauses, a lot of them about snacks. But uh, he is Pete Ward. Hello, Pete. Hi. Good evening. Also joining us uh, is a huge favourite of the podcast, legendary sporting journalist, sporting journalistic legend, the English Norman Mailer, I like to call him, uh, and also uh, currently head of editorial at Livescore.com. It's Jim Munro. Perhaps more Norman wisdom than Norman Mailer, but it's good to be back, fellas. One thing I thought about, Jim, is that the last couple of times you've been on, we haven't talked about your Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest. Is it, do you call it a site when it's on Pinterest? Uh, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. You call it an account, I guess. But Yes. Um, it, it's kind of a... It, it's, it's, you know when people get all these items together and they bury them under a tree for years, yeah. years to come? It's kind of like that. I put it together a few years back on yeah. basically the history of West Ham and as... As much as I could get, obviously, I had access to archive front pages from old newspapers and, and pictures and all sorts of things and put it together, and I haven't touched it since. So I, I think it goes up as far as as we've won the playoffs. <laughs> Good. You're probably right. talking about something that's about eight or nine years old. The uh, second here, time. Well, um, but, yeah. 
if you uh, seek it out, and I, don't, I suppose you just Google Pinterest, West Ham, and Jim Monroe, maybe to find it. Or how is there like a link to it? Because basically, it's it's really really good. It is a rabbit hole that you will fall down and spend a huge amount of time on. But if you are interested in uh, just going back into West Ham's history, it is a chronological bunch of uh, still photos, uh, YouTube clips of games uh, that is an incredibly exhaustive history of West Ham. And I do urge you to visit. Would Is that how you'd get to it? Is Google, well, Jim um, Monroe, Pinterest and West Ham United? Would it not be easier if I just stuck a link on the Facebook page? Yes, let's yeah. do that. Let's do <laughs> it that. Seem a lot easier to me, but yeah, I think that's I'm, easier. I'm sure, yes, I'm sure if you used uh, the Google, you'd yeah. be able to find it as you'd well. Stumble across it eventually. Yeah, I'll, it's I'll really, really good. It's it's, re- it's a real delight. It's like a sort of. Um, you know, it feels like because of the layout of Pinterest, it is a bit like those, uh, um, you know, football cards, uh, those, yeah. you know, those cards. But also, it feels it's got the feel of those skin transfers you had of uh, football <laughs> teams in the seventies. It's all like little yeah. square pictures of footballers, which some oh, of you some click on and they move. And other things, aren't they? Hmm? I said there's some program covers as well, and, and other little yeah, bits yeah. and pieces. Some things that just speak for themselves, but. I, I guess one day, now you've given me that big build-up and I've not looked at it for years, I better go back in someday and uh, and give it a revamp. Yeah, it's really, can, really good. Really you, good. Uh, anyway. Could you open that up for people to give you some more stuff for the archive, for, if it's an archive? I could do, Pete, but then I'm letting myself in for some extra work. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also, uh, to be honest, I mean, I've just uh, got rid of a storage unit and in one of the many boxes in that storage unit was loads of old West Ham memorabilia, including uh, a paper bag from Bobby Moore's old shop on Green Street. I don't know oh, if you remember yes. that. So yeah. I've, I've just uncovered a, a whole treasure trove of new things that I could put up there as well. So, um, but yeah, why not? I could open it up to people as well, and then it'd become a lifetime uh, lifetime task, like the painting the fourth bridge. It'll never end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I think I like, quite like the idea of an open sourced archive where people would just mm. dump stuff but they'd have to be moderated in some way but it could, could become really immense no. yeah, mm. you, you wouldn't mm. want any Chelsea yeah. fans or you want any opposition fans hijacking it no. yeah yeah That's Sheffield right. United fans those are the those are the ones to watch out for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, yeah pictures of Sean Bean everywhere yeah exactly exactly um so now we have two games of football to talk about uh they uh they were a win and a defeat um and uh uh so they were but interesting we saw both of those performances and uh, there were things that they had in common but first of all we played we played rapid vienna and uh we saw the sort of the the rotation policy which we saw through manchester united coming into leeds and then going away to rapid vienna so we've seen his kind of the um the rotation policy sort of in action uh there were i guess about sort of six or seven players rested weren't there for rapid uh and um rice still had to go out and play uh, the guy that has to play every fucking week is Cresswell. yeah has to yeah. play i mean we might have talked about this in last week's podcast but he is like the kind of oldest regular player outfield player because nobs doesn't play so much anymore he now has to play every game because there's no one else um luckily he does seem to be holding up but uh you did feel that you know he could do with a rest at some point um he's gonna get one uh 
Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. They're all going to get arrests, aren't they? But um, interesting game. You know, we really huffed and puffed in the second half of that game. The first bit of that game, the first half, I sort of thought it's a mismatch. I thought this is a mismatch. They are a far weaker team than us. We're much better. Uh, this is We're going to sail through this. And then classically, we were disappointed in the second half when uh, uh, Vienna woke up a little bit and we did uh you know as they say proverbially we sort of huffed and puffed a bit yeah they didn't they didn't seem to have anything in front of goal you know they mm. they're able to move the ball around a lot in the middle of the field quite tricky you know, a couple of tricky players but as soon as they got anywhere near the penalty area if if Diop and Dawson allowed them to do that because they were both absolutely outstanding yeah they had nothing what did you think Jim With one shot on target that, yeah the, as yeah. Pete said yeah, they. I mean, I must admit that second half, I was sat on, literally sat on the edge of my seat for most of it, just waiting for us to score that second goal because I, I think they showed that they're not a bad team uh, struggling to get out, but they they just didn't have uh, Mikhail Antonio up front. I think if they'd had a decent striker, that second half that would caused us a lot more problems. Yeah. Um, but but you know, the, I think it was. Uh, it was great to see Ben Rama get that second goal. I just think the evening as a whole was just a nice evening. It wasn't mm. the best we've ever played. No. We did did enough to win the game. There was the champion statue outside waiting for us. There was the pyrotechnics inside waiting for us. We, we were in the um, uh, lower tier of the Billy Bonds, so we were right behind where those crossed hammers were. The flames were shooting up, so you could feel the heat on your face. And yeah. We had to hold up those plastic things so that it said irons, although... I did. My 14-year-old son's far too cool to join in, so he just stood there tutting while I held my board up. But, um, but yeah, it's just the whole evening. It was just a nice, you know, European football's yeah. back. Um, yeah. it, it's a group stage game. We, we've done what we needed to do. It always looked like we were, we got a bit more class than they had, and it looked like we should win, even though we, we did leave it late just to confirm it. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the thing for me was, I was, I was looking at, um, as you say, we'd made seven changes. I was looking at Vlasic, just thinking, he's he's showing all the signs of a Moyes type player, but like of a of a Bowen and a four nails of a mm. kind of like eighteen months ago. And give him he is actually about eighteen months younger than four nails. I thought give him a few months to just get settled in because we've got him at a good age. He's just mm. just past twenty four, hasn't it? It was his birthday the other day. Yeah, I think um, I think he's got all the signs of he's he's got all the capabilities, um, and he can be moulded into another one of our yeah our sort of clinical, it just needs to just calm down a little bit and just take that fraction of a second thought before making a pass or before making his run. Yeah. Um, but I think they're all a bit guilty of that on the Thursday. I think we were rushing it a bit too much. And, mm. uh, and when Fornells came on, he showed, you just just calm it down a bit, lads. Here's a through ball to Bowen. Here's a shot on goal. And, it, and everyone yeah. else seemed to respond to that. Yeah, and then it's true. Ben Rama perfectly with that, uh, saw the goalkeeper was actually... On his, on his bus home, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. called it into the far corner. It was an easy goal, wasn't it? Yeah, Actually, yeah. It was well, weird. also, Ben Rama made that finish look easy, didn't he? I mean, it's like he hit it quite yeah. gently, sort of passed it with a bit of bend into that corner. It was very, yeah. um, looked very assured. It'd be great on his showreel. Um, well, well, that's, again, because we just took a little bit of time, just gave it that fraction of a second thought that you need rather than snapping at everything. Well, that... That Bowen chance when he did go through, and he did yeah. everything right until he shot. 
<laughs> it yes, was a... it was funny, strange, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. obviously, it's a contrast to the game that we'll talk about in a little bit, the Brentford game, where he uh, that finish was brilliant and found yeah. that tiny little pocket of space in uh, the keeper's kind of near post. It was uh, it was a uh, brilliant, wasn't it? Mm. Um, in a tribute to uh, European football and the last time we were in European football and obviously the glory days of winning the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup in 1955, to which, 65, to which that statue alluded, um, Rapid Vienna bought some hooligans in a lovely, <laughs> in a lovely nostalgic <laughs> nod. Some they, were like water... tribute, they were like tribute hooligans. They were like a water cooler into the ground, didn't they? How did they, they, did, uh, how yeah. did they allow yeah. that? How did Literally, that where they found that water cooler or how they found <laughs> it is sort of brilliant, but also managing to get it into the ground was <laughs> great. And uh, then obviously hurling it completely harmlessly because it was empty. Had it been mm. full of water, it would have either drowned someone or knocked them unconscious. Well, but it was sort of empty. shot putter to have lobbed it from there into the... Uh, yeah, if it still had but... all its water in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a great moment. That was a wonderful, wonderful, it's enterprising hooliganism to manage to find the water bottle from a water cooler and then lob it at the uh, the other team's fans. Um, great moment. They also bought a spare Alex Kral. Since we didn't <laughs> utilise our own Alex Kral, uh, they bought one and played him. And uh, it looked momentarily like uh, Alex Kral, or essentially... It was like um, a film iRobot uh, in, in that there was a sort of factory of... Um, it was like iRobot, but a factory that made David Luiz's that yeah. then distributed them amongst European football teams. So since we weren't oh. using our David Luiz clone, they bought their David Luiz clone out and uh, employed him. Um, yeah. and there, are other, there are other players who've got that look as well, haven't there? Carlos, Carlos Puyol. Puyol, yes. Uh, yeah. In a way, that Arsenal guy that's gone now, Gen- Gendouzi. Gendouzi had a little yeah. bit of that look about him, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. 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 And then I think if you go really extreme, when he goes kind of a, uh, maybe they put the hairdryer on for too long, you get a player like Tabitha Chong. Right. Or yes. Chowdhury. Chowdhury, of course, yes. Um, a huge... I'm a big fan of the wild haircut in the footballer. I think every team... Can could have a player like that. Valderrama, obviously the Valderrama. The, the definitive yeah. uh, sideshow Bob haircut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, but it was. I mean, it, obviously they didn't look like they didn't look like scoring. They were toothless up front. But while you're only one goal in the lead, it felt mm. like. Um, we were making it hard on ourselves in the second half. I guess, Jim, you're right. It was a question of um, maybe just being a little calmer, slowing things down. But um, yeah. we, in a way, I, the, last season we had our kind of 3-0 uh, and our 4-0 and then three goals against Spurs very quickly. And then we sort of became low scoring for a while. There was all ones and twos. Um, and it, I wonder if there's, a, and I'm really only sort of floating this as a, sort of discussion topic because again we sort of we won our first uh two games by four four one and four two and then we it feels like we might have now become a little bit low scoring in the last few games we've played i wonder i i you know i don't know what conclusions there are to draw from that but uh uh is it a concern that we're now a little bit low scoring i think i'm more concerned that we're conceding 
two yeah. goals quite yeah. often. And yeah. actually, I think in that game, going back to the Rapid Vienna game, and I mentioned it earlier, the defence was so much better than it was on, on Sunday against Brentford. And, and of course, yeah. we, are, we are blessed with four really tremendous centre-backs. And actually, you know, a couple of, couple of some really good four, but very strong defence with mm. decent cover. You know, I mean, I know we probably need another proper left back, but I, I have to say, in that game, Diop was just the. He was man and my our man of the match. Me and Jim mm. were man of the match. He just bossed it, and I he beat he everybody did, to the ball. Didn't he get man of the match, Pete? I think. I mean, I know we voted. Yeah, he would have done. Yeah. yeah in I the rapid game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was my man of the match in the Manchester United away game, the Carabao Cup game. I thought he was fantastic in that game as well. You know, well, I think he's really knocking on the door to be in the. To, to be number one in the, in the in, on the team sheet. I agree. I agree. You know, yeah, yeah. So, well, wait, let's talk about it a bit later, perhaps, because yeah. the defence's performance of the weekend was uh, pretty. Yeah, I, I've got a I've got a theory about that uh, that involves Rice and Suchek, but let's save that for the uh, yeah. for yeah. Sunday's debacle. Well, let's uh, let's do that after this message. Welcome back. Uh, before before we left you, uh, we were talking about uh, Issa Diop. We might have come to the end of our thoughts about the Rapid Vienna game. Yes, it was. I, it was um, uh, in the end. It was comfortable. It was a two 0 win. Uh, ben Rama's goal was lovely. Um, uh, yeah, as we say, four hours came on, made a big difference. Uh, we rotated these players out. Uh, Yarmolenko. Um, Yes. You know, Jim certainly said that in the first half, Jim Grant uh, uh, felt he was like our best player in the first half. And I thought he was uh, really good too. He sometimes, um, he sometimes maligned, I think, uh, because people, because he did have a rotten injury and he doesn't move super quickly, that he's slow and a bit clunky and a bit of a donkey. But he has fantastic feet and yeah. his range of passing is excellent. And, uh, you know, he is, a, he is a classy footballer that we spent quite a lot of money for. And, uh, you know, he's a Ukrainian international that, in fact, performed very well in the European tournament we saw. It, it, uh, was, his... actually, it was actually a beautiful assist, well, a pre-assist mm. for the for yeah. Rance's goal where he... He just flicked it over to Antonio, you know, with the yeah. outside of his boot. You know, real grace. Yeah. And Antonio just did the right thing, levelled it to, to Rice to score. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a well-worked goal. Skill, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so it was, um, it was a, you know, it was a good performance. We huffed and puffed in the second half, but none of these games, you know, they're not supposed to be easy. These teams get through to these stages of this tournament. I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, we just have to see how far we get, don't we, in this tournament? Because it is a strange tournament because obviously teams fall into that tournament when they fall out of the Champions League tournament, yeah. don't they? And so, yeah. you know, eventually we're going to have to sort of play some pretty decent teams. But, uh, you know, I think he's um, very conscious of wanting to sort of make getting out of the group safe as early as he can so that we can then sort of concentrate on the league and whatever else happens. So, yeah. you know, we're I've, top of the group at the moment with two wins and, um, you know, it, things are looking sort of fairly rosy. Yeah, I mean, look at the Scottish clubs. They're struggling. Leicester are on just one point. Yeah. I think, you know, our statement of intent was there. As you mentioned, Rice was in the starting level and Antonio was there. And, of course, with the with the pre-assist of Yarmolenko playing a part two, it was the two of them who who played the major part in, in the opening goal. Yeah. Um, 
And it, I, I think it is a case of we just want to get out of the group stage and then see where it takes us from there. Yeah, um, yeah. And if we can perhaps get enough points to be getting out of the group stage uh, early on, maybe play that last game with uh, effectively a second eleven just to give some of them a rest, then, then all well and good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and sort of coming on to that, in the Brentford game, I wonder whether, you know, uh, you know, sort of we're starting to see what feels like a bit of uh, sort of fatigue from some of the players in, in, in you know, our, uh, our starting 11. Um, you know, we rested Kufal, though he, he came on um, he came on in that game, I think the Vienna game. Um, yeah. But we've seen a couple of games, you know, I think it was away at Newcastle, Jim, Jim Grant and I went to that game and thought, wow, this is maybe, even though it was a 4-2 win, this is the, the Sufal actually had a slight, for him, a slightly bad game in it. And I think question marks have sort of uh, now arisen over sort of Suchek now, not saying, you know, he's, he's suddenly become dreadful, but certain of these players are looking a little tired. Our first 11 came out against Brentford uh, after our European adventure with Rapid. And yes, we, you know, um, what do we make of that game, Jim? Well, the, I mean, this, there's already the talk of we're suffering the European hangovers because we've lost those two matches following the Thursday games. But you know, we've already mentioned, we've made seven changes yeah. The Thursday match. The players shouldn't be that tired. Um, I think uh, I actually commented on Sue Fallon in the first half. It seemed every pass he was playing was going astray or wasn't quite the right length yeah. and he was getting caught. But he was a lot better in the second half. But yes. he, had, he had been carrying an injury, so I don't know whether that perhaps might have affected him. But, but what I was going to mention earlier, we've heard uh, David Moyes say more than once this season that Declan Rice can influence games moving forward. Um, and, they, and the club have encouraged him to get forward more this season. But that's that's Thomas Suchek's natural game, sitting yeah. deep and then marauding forwards. And dare I say, sort of Frank Lampard-like timing to pop up in the opposition penalty area. Um, and with Rice getting forward more, Suchek's sometimes caught in two minds. It's like he's, he's not quite sure what to do. I mean, we saw him yeah. give the ball away against Leeds, which resulted in a goal while he was sitting deep. He did it again against Brentford in the second half. And yes. Luckily, that one wasn't punished. Um, and it gives the impression that, that he's struggling to keep up with the game. But I think it's more, with Rice moving forwards more, Suchek's having to curb his more natural instinct. And then yeah. he's kind of getting lost in no man's land. And that is why we're then getting this gap in the middle. But in that first 20 minutes against Brentford, they were just bursting down the middle all the time. And it was... Yeah. It was it was more than worrying. It was quite frightening. I thought there would be two or three nil up after the first yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Pete, what did you make of it? Well, I, um, I think we got muscled out of the game. I think yeah. they're, 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 I did worry about this match. I thought Brentford. I look, I've been watching Brentford, and I think they're a really good outfit. I think mm-hmm. they'll finish in the. They've got a very good chance of finishing in the top ten this season. Yeah, they have a great team spirit. And they're physically really imposing. We've got a lot of very tall players. They're masters of the dark arts, as we witnessed on Absolutely. with the time wasting and the, the clever stuff winding up the players and winding up the crowd. Uh, and it paid off for them in the end. But I do think we actually just, you know, our little nippy forward line, they were just pushed off the ball all the time by, by Brentford mm. players. They were just stronger, more muscular. They knew how to foul without getting 
a free kick awarded against them. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we were sort of outfought on the pitch physically, actually, for most, for, for, certainly for the whole of the first half and some of the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating because we did create some chances. I mean, Bowen had a header from just a few yards out that yeah. he should have put away. There was an, another cross which Antonio kind of headed fresh air where if he'd made a connection, uh, it should should have gone in. Um, it's not yeah. like we didn't have opportunities to score goals, but as as Pete said, the dark arts, I mean, the, there's an absurd outlook in football that if you've lost a game, um, any criticism you level at the opposition goes down as sour grapes or you're being salted simply because you yeah. lost. Uh, you know, the classic comeback, you're, you're only saying that because you lost. But Brentford are not exempt from criticism. I was quite a, quite looking forward to this match, I have to admit. I thought it was going to be a nice open game. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen a team try to waste time from the 20th minute of a game onwards. It was uh, extraordinary. Uh, it was extraordinary. Yeah. It was like the first, first time the goalkeeper had to take a goal kick. Oh. He, he did it for like two minutes in. Pete, yeah. Honestly, Players fall into the ground at the slightest of touches, uh, yeah. ambling towards the touchline for throw-ins and corners, uh, flicking the ball away or sometimes even throwing it away as the, yeah. the, the who turned out to be the match winner threw the ball away, didn't he? When there was that yeah. throw-in, yeah, it was extraordinary. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Pete, I mean goal kicks. That whole fiasco of having players alongside you as if you're going to take a short goal kick, and yeah. then no, I'm going to take a long goal kick, and then everyone runs up pitch, and then you yeah. wait for all to get. It's like 45, 50 seconds going by with every yeah. goal kick. It was just, it was a nonsense. And the referee just let them get away with absolutely everything. It well, it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, um, you know, he, uh, yeah, the referee, uh, you know, it's, again, it, it, it feels like sour grapes, blaming the other team's tactics and then also blaming the, the match officials. But, um, he, you know, it was a weird... You know, I think rec- referees are between a rock and a hard place. There was a sort of, it felt like he was um, taking to heart this notion of, um, you know, let the game flow a bit more, which is, you know, the sort of this year's directive given sort of stoppages due to VAR and everything. But he, he, he oddly took it to mean um, be lenient even if an infraction occurs because he didn't yeah. get his cards out for... No. For and ages. And so what th- happened was, like, you know, um, James Kearns made this point on his excellent H-list uh, blog, was that once cards seemed not to be coming out, cards finally came out after about the kind of 75th, 80th minute. Yeah. So they'd been allowed to just make niggly flat fouls with impunity, time waste with impunity for 80 minutes. And then cards became coming out, you know, started coming out, but it meant they were only ever, no one was going to get more than one yellow. And he started punishing stuff that had been happening identically. You know, Antonio was wrestled to the ground very early yeah. on. Yeah. No card, just a free kick. Uh, and well, the second half, Phil, he was virtually through and he got the guy put his arm across him and pulled his shirt and pulled him down. Yeah. Referee yeah. didn't even talk to him, let alone show a card. Really weird. It's a really weird misunderstanding of let the game flow. That doesn't mean punish things when you see them and stop the game with your fucking whistle and award <laughs> a free kick. It's like get a card out. It, it's really weird, really weird. Extraordinary yeah. refereeing, I thought, that sort of really enabled what they were doing. 
uh, all game. And it, I mean, you know, this really just does sound like a kind of sour grapes conference. But uh, it was uh, it was very extraordinary. And as we say, that I've never seen a team start sort of time wasting almost from kickoff. It was. Yeah. Uh, it's very- interesting. Actually, they they won at Wolves a few weeks ago, and Wolves. Uh, were coming out, Wolves fans were coming out with all the kind of comments that we've now been coming out with, right? Um, saying exactly the same thing. So, uh, this this does appear to be the way they do things. So, you yeah. look at a result and see they've won 2 0 away at Wolves, they've won 2 1 away at West Ham. You think, oh, Brentford are doing well, but you haven't had to sit and suffer for 95 minutes watching what they're actually doing to achieve yeah. those results. Yeah, you know, a three minutes on match of the day doesn't show you all the no. crap that they've been doing beforehand. No, no. Yeah. They, um, we, but we had plenty. We should really have wrapped that game up. We yes. dominated mm. the second half, you know, and we missed some really good chances and some half chances. Uh, yeah. You know, we've only really got ourselves to blame. Had we got that second goal, I don't think they would have come back. I mean, I know they got that free kick. It was who committed that foul? It was Og Bonner, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, also, I didn't think that was... A, I thought it was an incredibly soft free right. kick. The guy... Og Bonner was kind of getting up, wasn't he? And the guy ran into him. Yeah, I mean, the guy did a sort of give and go. Uh, he had given the ball already. for So for a start, it was like he had made... He'd successfully made his pass before this infringement sort of occurred, so which was essentially just a coming together because he wanted to do the go half of a give and go. But there's a, a defender standing in his way. It's like, well, that's just where the guy's standing. It's, he hasn't blocked you off. Yeah. That's where he is, having made his attempted tackle, which failed because you got your pass away and you've now just run into him. I thought mm. he totally bought that. That yeah. free kick, absolutely bought it. I didn't think there was an infringement there. He just ran into him trying to do the go part of a give and go. Mark yeah. Noble would have pulled that off brilliantly as well, though. Well, if it had been out, if it had gone in our favour the other yeah. way. Yeah. That's a classic sort of noble move. Actually, one thing we haven't talked about is the first goal Brentford scored. Because I thought Fabianski should have pushed that out further than he did. Yeah. Carried yeah. it. You know, I think. There is a bit of a question mark uh, hanging over him. I mean, obviously, he had no fault with the second goal because he saved a point blank save on the goal line. Yeah, but I thought looking back at that, looking at the replays of the first goal, it was a bit of a feeble, feeble parry. And I, I know, and I think goalkeepers now are generally shot stoppers. They don't do much else. No, they stand firm, or they, you know, they can shot sort of. And I think part of their skills, if you see them training and practicing. Is if they do parry or parry, they try and they they instinctively push it as far away as possible. So sure, I think yeah. it was a bit, um, pal, bit a little bit feeble. I think he's yeah. very unlucky with the second save because you know looking at Hawkeye, it really was just millimeters, wasn't it? A centimeter over the line. I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no argument because there's a chip in the ball. And there's no there's no check sure. on the yeah, yeah. It's in or it's out. But yeah, I think yeah. I think you know I think I think Ariola has been brought in as a potential long term replacement. Yeah, well, it's a squad game, isn't it? And I think um, it's a squad game. Uh, you know, as we were saying about Diop, I feel like you know it's possible that Ariola and Diop might sort of force yeah. their way into the sort of starting lineup. Yeah. Just to go back mm. to sort of Suchek, um, uh, we were talking last week about the Leeds game and saying that you know it seemed that. 
Moyes uh, very deliberately reconfigured the team in the second half or gave them instructions for Rice to sit a little deeper and uh, Mm. for Suchek to be the more advanced of the pair. Not because it makes the whole system work better rather than those individual players you know, talents and what they can achieve in their own right. It just makes mm. that midfield pairing work better if you do it that way because Rice is probably going to run from deep anyway uh, if it, if the mood takes him, in which case Suchet can just, you know, stay where he is and drop a couple of yards back and, and still do a, a defensive job there. Because we watch from behind one of the goals, I couldn't quite see if any you know, again, any change was made in that respect in the second half, whether, you know, Rice then did sit a little deeper. Because like like you say, Jim, it is quite telling that we function a little less well, or at least Suchek functions, functions a little less well when it feels like Rice has got the kind of more advanced role. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that got fixed in the second half against Brentford because obviously we became a much better side in the second half and were, I think, all over them. And we, you know, we did need to just score another goal. And I think we would have seen them off and possibly everything that happened in the, as James Kern said, four minutes of uh, extra time he gave us, having given us three, yeah, um, wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean that that whole sort of rice moving forward, moving through the gears, and being told to stay forward. I mean he was doing that against Palace as well, and we we got caught a couple of times. We got caught cold um, by them breaking again. And I, if the decision against Leeds was we've got to revert back to how it was last season with Rice playing deeper and Suchek playing his more natural role, maybe they need to look at that and say, look virtually every game now we're doing this, we're having to revert back yeah. to having it how it was last season. So I wonder how much of it is he's just trying to keep Declan Rice happy. It's yeah. like, you know, we'll, we'll give you that role. We know you like to go forward a bit more, so give it a go. Um, we're in that horrendous position where naturally everyone's looking at his future. You want to try and keep him as happy as possible. One of the best ways of doing that naturally would be to win a trophy, but... Um, and I, I did worry, I have to say, when they brought Noble on or when Moyes himself brought Noble on to take that penalty, bearing in mind Declan Rice had picked the ball up and must have been thinking in his mind, this is my chance for glory. This mm. is the chance to, to level the game. Um, I did wonder, because I, I noticed him at, at the end of the Man United game, down on his haunches, and then when Noble went past him, he just he didn't look at him, he just patted him on the stomach. And I thought then that, that's somebody who's a bit pissed off with the decision that actually he was denied the chance to take that penalty. Um, So I don't know how much of what we're doing with Rice at the moment is just trying to keep him as as happy as possible. I know he's come out and said that he's very happy doing what he's doing, etc. But you don't know what goes on. Those little intricacies and conversations behind closed doors, we're obviously not privy to, but it's very clear on the pitch that with Rice pushing forward, Suchek's not quite adapted to it and it's, it's nullifying a lot of Suchek's best abilities. I think they might have to, I mean, I know Jim, uh, Phil is absolutely desperate to see more of Alex Kral's hairstyle on the, on the pitch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think if they're going to, I think they may have to look at, he might, might, we might see it, uh, you know, Kral will play deeper and allow Rice to go forward or, you know, if that's the, if that's the way it's going to go, you might, might not see Suchek and Rice playing together Mm. as often, but I find that hard to believe given this, 
stability that they've given the team and the success yeah. last season. Yes, it would be a shame to break up sort of what works. I mean, they, you know, one thing uh, I think I said a few times last last season is it, it is a very unusual combination. They're two, you know, they were they're two central. Uh, defensive midfielders but they are also two sort of attacking central midfielders they didn't have a kind of um uh you know sitting and creative sort of partnership in the way that you know martin allen and ian bishop had a Mm. kind of there was a really clear demarcation of their roles in that you know thing and obviously classically brooking and bonds uh had a sort of clearly uh, demarcated sort of set of skills but when it works you could have you know we had Bishop and Morley quite a lot and I think Ian Bishop has made the made the case many times as that you know uh when when it was sort of said that that there should be maybe one that keeps you know has more of a job of just uh uh, uh you know being a destroyer and breaking play up he said well what we what we did was try to keep the ball so that we wouldn't have to worry about that. And, you know, you can have a kind of um, a pair of midfielders that sort of um, does a bit of both, as long as they know that one, you know, should stay where he is if it looks like the other's going for a run. Um, and it'd be a shame for that not to work. In a sense, in that England setup, uh, possibly the only person that can allow Declan Rice to be Declan Rice is Calvin Phillips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that, in yeah. that sort of setup, because if you're going to get a sort of Gareth Barry type to sit and allow Declan Rice to break forward and be creative, you could just not have Declan Rice, have Ross Barkley instead, mm-hmm. you know, because Ross Barkley has got a range of skillful passing that Rice has not necessarily demonstrated yeah. yet, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just, just one other thing, actually. Sorry, uh, what you were talking there, and you mentioned lack of goals or goals drying up a bit since those opening few weeks. One thing, apart from the fact that people like Jared Bowen have only just got on the score sheet, is set piece goals. We, we oh, were yeah. known as the set piece kings last yeah. season, weren't we? And at every corner that we're taking and every free kick, I'm, I'm talking, turning to my son saying, Is this going to be the first set piece goal of the season? Yeah, um, we we just know we're not getting the kind of success that we used to have last season. Yes, we well, lost that knack. Yeah, it was very evident against Brentford because we must have had ten corners, and we, yeah. you could tell we were never going to win one of them. No, no, straight. Yeah, it's partly because I think they had a lot of really tall, uh, very good aerial uh, defend uh, de- people who could defend aerially. Yeah. Um, uh, but we just look, now look like we won't score from a corner or free kick. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there always used to be little discussions going on on the edge of the penalty area and Chris yeah. knew where he was going to put the ball. It just doesn't seem to be working. Whether we're trying near post flick-ons or yeah. playing it deep, just, just none of it seems to be coming off at the moment. And I, I, I don't feel that it's because we've been sussed. I just don't feel... I just think there's something quite missing. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing between what we're doing now and what we were doing last season. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, very true. Um, yes. But we've, um, 
you know, it was a, it was a, you know, we had to lose a game. Uh, uh, you know, we were never going to go through the season, you know, winning every game. That obviously was one that you sort of felt we should possibly have a chance of winning because they're a promoted side. But then they are a side that, like the um, Sheffield United of a couple of seasons ago, they have found a way. They've been knocking on the door of promotion for, you know, several years and feel like, you know, they knew what to do when they did come up and um, that when they came up, they would do that and uh, sure enough they are they look like a sort of good outfit um you know those things that make them sort of extremely annoying uh certain aspects of it not so much the time wasting but they are things that manchester city do manchester city make niggling fouls in the middle of the pitch in the way that george graham's arsenal used to do in the late 80s and early 90s you know fouls in the middle of the pitch were often not punished uh because they're not sort of there isn't that element of danger because it's near the penalty area and they are things that break up the other team's rhythm. So yeah, maybe it's like, you know, if we're going to lose to someone, it might as well be Brentford because they probably are going to be like a top 10 team um, at the end of the season. Uh, I think, I think our next fixture after this little international break is uh, Everton who um, got to be a little bit worried about Everton away. Um, do you think any changes might happen before that game? Do you think there might be, do you think Diop might come in? Do you think there might be a start for Vlasic? Do you think that, that you know, what might happen then? I think we need to see what happens in the international break. Just make sure that people are clear of injury. I mean, Antonio's not appearing for Jamaica, thankfully. Um, I think, hasn't Soufal pulled out? Oh, has he? I think has he? he has, yeah. Um, but either way, just to wait to see. I mean, I, I wouldn't anticipate any great changes, to be honest. Myself. No. I mean, the, the beauty of the start of the season was playing the regular 11 yeah. and knowing you've got a starting 11. Um, yeah. I, I, the only thing that worries me is the last two Sunday matches, I mean, the Man United game and then the Brentford game were two o'clock Sunday. And our, yeah. next, our next three fixtures are all in the Premier League are all two o'clock Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Uh, so we need to uh, shake that out of our system um, and make sure that we we don't have a large Sunday lunch and start off as slowly as we have done. But Maybe bit, get up a bit earlier. Maybe just get it, up earlier. It, yeah. it, kicking the teeth with these last-minute goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Lingard and then Sunday. And it's, what, it's one point in nine from our last three home games. You, you forget with all these cup games in between you actually look at the league form uh, at home, that that needs to be sorted out. We've got yeah. to make sure, we've got some tough fixtures, we've got to make sure that we're not uh, giving away any more points, certainly at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Rama is, uh, he's obviously really putting a, you know, a lot on Ben Rama's shoulders. And he does, I think Ben Rama is one of those players that sort of needs to see a lot of game time, see a lot of the ball, um, you know, I think his, you know, the sort of improvement in his performance has been really gratifying to see. Uh, Bowen is, um, has been kind of, you know, quite a star of the early part of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's good that he got on the, it's good that he got on the score sheet. Um, I don't know if we've just got, you know, a little bit too, um, you know, familiarity breeds contempt with uh, Pablo Fornals, but it does seem that he's maybe a little kind of under par con- compared to the last season. We are starting to see players, um, you know, losing a little bit of consistency. Soufal, as you said, Jim, it might be the injury. Suchek has perhaps not been the player he was last year. And Fornals, uh, although, started, you know... He started playing- the season well. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous the first three or four matches. First couple of games, yeah. Yeah, yeah scored in them, you know, 
but uh, you know, hopefully a little break will 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 help, and we'll see those players kind of come out, sort of firing the way they were last season. Um, yeah, always a little worrying Everton. I think they seem to have, uh, um, you know, Benitez is sort of you know getting his ideas across. Sort of interesting. They do quite a lot of getting um, sort of slightly elderly players that maybe other teams would think they might have slightly gone by now in a sort of Jack Wilshire type way. Because Andros Townsend is a player I've always liked. But for about the last two or three years, I've gone, yeah, he's a little bit gone, though. We shouldn't get him. If we had signed him two years ago, we would have had a couple of years of Andros Townsend being actually quite good. But you keep thinking... Yeah, it's going to happen now that, you know, the sudden Kevin Nolan type decline is going to happen on our watch. And if we did sign, you know, Andros Townsend or Callum Wilson or someone like that, we'll get them and their formal Lundberg style fall off a cliff. Yeah. But Andrew stands into a sort of keeps going, doesn't he? They have bought, um, they are playing Salomon Rondon up front, though, who is quite comical to watch because he really has gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, d- I don't know how long Calvert Lewin is out injured for. No. Do you know, Jim? I think he's still got a few weeks um, out. So I think Rondon's going to be around because Richarlison's obviously been uh, carrying an injury as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think Everton are, Everton are eminently beatable. Yeah, but don't forget. I mean, you know, they, their form's a little bit better than ours, or their results have been. But yeah, they, they had a lot- great start last season, didn't they, Pete? Yeah. They started, and James Rodriguez, or James Rodriguez, yeah. if yeah. you ever pronounce it that way, was like being vaunted as this great star who's gracing the Premier League. And then yeah. look how that all disappeared uh, as soon as the weather turned. So, yeah. Um, you know, it will be interesting. I mean, Leicester fans are saying, wait to see Gray in a few months' time. Um, it's not always going to be like this. And Palace fans, I think it's a bit um, disingenuous on their side because um, I think Benitez knows how to get the best out of um, uh, Andros Townsend. Um, but yeah. Palace fans said, all oh, that won't last either. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Everton evolve. Maybe we can start them on their road to decline. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think the next couple of games, Everton and Tottenham, we're, we are, and one thing we mustn't forget is that we are good. Mm, yeah, we're a yeah. good te- good team and a good squad and a and a really good manager and, and you know we're seeing the sort of standard of football the kind of the interplay the quality of players that we've got and the depth of the squad we haven't seen this for 30 years no no absolutely right. well yeah. nigh on 30 years I mean we've been since the mid 80s since the peak of the Lyle years yeah, yeah, this, is, yeah. this is one of the best setups we've ever had and you know they've given the manage, this manager complete control, and he's delivered. And a, and, a, and he's not buying loads and loads of players. He's only buying yeah. them if they're worth it. Now we've got a 23, 24 man squad that's really solid and can really compete and beat anybody in this league. Um, and, and these are small quibbles, and we know, and they're problems that everybody has. But we yeah, are in a position that we have been, as far as I can remember, apart from that. Freaky season at last season at the Bowling where you know Bilic came in and yeah, they accidentally bought Pie. Um, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and, and that was just a one off. Um, it showed up to be a one off, and, and, and Bilic wasn't really that kind of proper manager in that sense. I, I, think, I think Moyes, you've got someone with 
years of experience, who has adapted, is not a dinosaur, he's playing modern, he's, you know, he's adapted our game, so we don't necessarily need to have a great big lump of a centre-forward. You know, um, we're playing some really intricate, tricky football. Yeah. There's some great, really good defenders and interesting players. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I think for, since this podcast began, this is easily our best era. Yeah, I, I yes, totally I'm agree, Pete. I, I was saying to my lad the other day, ironically ahead of the Brentford game, that um, he needs to soak up this period that we're going through at the moment where you feel confident going into just about every game. You're not going there thinking, oh, we normally lose 3-0 to this lot. Let's just try and see if we can get a draw out of it or something. You're actually going to places and thinking, yeah, we could win this one. We've yes, got every, absolutely, we've yeah. yeah. Got just as much right to win it as the as the opposition. Um, and also, the amount of times we've, we've come back in games. Newcastle, yeah. Leeds, you know, Leeds. there's a belief there that we can come back and actually do a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the feeling that, you know, again, the Brentford game, even though it was a loss, we, um, you know, we were, you know, we sort of lost in the second half, which was the half we played uh, best in. And uh, what we needed to do was just put the ball into the goal, you know, once more than we did. And we would have won that game. Uh, And uh, so it wasn't like a kind of bewildering uh, defeat where we're sort of walking away going, you know, we just didn't turn up in that game. We sort of didn't turn up mm. in the first half. And then that problem was fixed and we were on top in the second half and were clearly the better team and were the team we should be. And, you know, we just didn't manage to uh, convert enough yeah. times to win it. And, you know, that's a, a problem that hopefully, you know, if we get back to sort of scoring ways and sort of, you know, um, as I said, after those first couple of the, the Leicester and Wolves games last season, we did become a little bit low scoring. And then mm. sort of in a way, it's almost the Jaylings era. You know, his debut was was a 3-1 thumping of Villa. And we we sort of, uh, we we did start getting back to sort of our scoring habit, you know. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, hopefully that'll, that'll return. You know, I'd like to see some more Vlasic. Um, you know, it feels like he's a sort of, he's absolutely someone that is playing. Uh, he, he feels like, you know, as we said, his kind of similarity to some of the players we've already got is, you know, in some respects, you could see that as a criticism, but it's it, it's also getting a player that fits our system and fits exactly. the way Moyes would like to play. Unlike yeah. Sebastian Allaire, who just wasn't, you know, is you know, freely scoring at Ajax at the moment, which, but was, you know, you'd have to re model your team around him yeah. to get the best out of him and then I'd rather have Antonio yeah. I think um, uh, it's a jumping head here but really but I'd say the chances of getting Lingard in January are pretty high yes me too because you know he's not signing that contract at United he's not getting those games he's coming he's started one game I think and he's coming on as a sub um, you know he's It'd be if I think you you might get Lingard for something like fifteen million or something in January because United would it's like that or nothing. Yeah, uh, or just come on loan again for another half season. Well, they wouldn't loan him. I can't imagine they'd bother loaning agreeing to a loan. Probably He's not. Coming no. to the end of his contract, they would just say, "Bye." Yeah, we'll let him run his contract down. He can wait till the summer. Yeah, you yeah. give us twelve million or fifteen million, he, he, you know, and he wants to come. Is yours, but yeah. I mean, I mean that might be all we need is that extra pickup uh, in the second half of the season. Someone like that coming in, 
Yeah, yeah. It's true, you know, because you always need a bit of fresh energy. Definitely, definitely. So uh, I think we, uh, we're probably about time to wrap this up. So I think it's uh, all that really remains is uh, predictions for the Everton game. Oh, it's miles away. I was going to say. I that's, know. <laughs> that's, yeah. um, that's about a week and a half away, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, with the first 11 in place, that's all right, I'll go first, don't worry, give you yep. some thinking time. With the first, Thanks, 11 in, the first 11 in place, bearing in mind the two defeats we've had this season have both been with last kick of the ball virtually. Um, there's only one game we've not scored in, which was Southampton away, where we still got a point. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. Brilliant. Yeah. Pete, what do you reckon? Um, I think there might be a few more goals than that. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I'd like to see us win, but I think I'd be happy with a 3 all draw. Wow. Goal fest. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to say... goals coming in the first five minutes. All right, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, get down to the bookies, uh, listeners. <laughs> That's, uh, that seems like that might get you quite a big win. Um, so I would say definitely six goals in the first five minutes uh, would be great. Um, I uh, I think I'm going to say I'm going to say one three Everton one West Ham United three. Nice. Uh, that's going to be my prediction for that. Uh, well, um, that's about it. Uh, oh, sorry, can I just interject? Can yes, I just go on. A special mention to our co-owner David Sullivan at the age of seventy-two. Uh, now dating Real Housewives of Cheshire star Ampika Pixton, who's only 40 after leaving his partner and coach I Emma. I didn't know that had happened. I have well, no idea who she is, I'm afraid. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I don't know who she is. Uh, but they've known each other for 10 years, been friends for over 10 years. Uh and of course, there is a big age gap, but they are smitten, apparently. Right, right. David wow. has handed over a beautiful 11 and a half carat emerald cut ring to her. Are you saying this all from memory? Or are you? I hope you're reading this from somewhere. <laughs> it's from I do. I do yeah. hope you're reading this because I'd hate to. I'd hate to think that you you knew you just knew this fact and. No, no. I, I just saw it in a. One of the uh, horrible yeah, uh, online newspapers uh, remain anonymous the other day. I was quite shocked. Yes. That man yes. of that age was yes. still... Well, what would... So the question would be, Anne Pika, what attracted you to the multi-million... <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. She's obviously a West Ham fan. That must be. Yeah. <laughs> well, shares in Viagra must be going through the roof. Uh, that's all I can imagine just Um, one very quick footnote Phil Um, yes I've just uh, on my phone looked it up and Sue Fell has withdrawn from the Czech Republic squad oh that's good so that'll give him a couple of weeks to get himself uh, fit again you know what though I was really sad to see that Fredericks uh, knock and I hope it wasn't too serious because Mm. he was going great guns at that point and what he did for that goal uh, was was really good and I've always liked Fredericks I like I think he's you know I think he's a good backup to Sufal and I think it would be great to see him get some game time and especially since we are you know Mm. fighting on uh, a couple of fronts now and then the FA Cup's going to come in (laughs) I want to you know I want to see a bit more of Fredericks and I'd like to see him stay fit and shake off this kind of injury uh, hoodoo that he, he that he does have he only jarred his knee though didn't he yeah yeah hopefully it'll be okay yeah yeah, yeah. there was a point raised by the commentators that game I mean, all these a lot of these premiership pitches now have got this very severe drop-off 
Yeah. And the grass. At some, yeah. gra- some grounds, I was looking at the Burnley pitch the other day, it, the grass finishes at the touchline. There's no runoff at all. There's just yeah. extra. Yeah. So if you're, a, you know, if you're playing and you run off the grass, yeah. then you're on this kind of carp, carp, carpet or this fast surface. Yeah. So an injury happens. You can't yeah, stop yeah, all, yeah. you know. It's amazing. And, yes, and it is Old very shitty, isn't it? It's a Old Trafford very... has got this canva, which like, yeah. just drops by about a metre. Yeah. It's... it's crazy. What's that about? It's bizarre, isn't it? it must be to Rainy? do with like you know the under pitch heating and all that sort of stuff, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, not the sort of welfare of the players. It is, yeah, you're right. That camber is bizarre now uh, on under, some of those grounds. Maybe there's yeah. under pitch tunnels. Maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, for the players to escape through. Yeah, yeah. it's a COVID <laughs> <Escape to victory. laughs> thing. It's a COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You right. would, um, who would come up in the middle of Upton Park if they dug a tunnel in the middle of a game? Sylvester Stallone, I think, if you've seen seen, Escape to Victory. Losing a game, who would you want more than anyone else to pop up in a centre spot who's tunnelled their way across the underpitch tunnel to save the game? Sinead O'Connor. Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, well, hopefully one day that'll happen. We'll we'll re-sign a (laughs) 50-year-old Carlos Tevez. Um, Well, Everton, he'll probably go to Everton at some point. Yeah. Yes, he in fact retired, Carlos Tevez. I think he, he has now, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he has. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a long tail to this podcast. This <laughs> <laughs> is the biggest it's... sign-off in history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it from this week's Stop Have a Time. My name is Phil Whelans, and with me this week have been Pete Ward. Good night. And Jim Munro. Cheers, people. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show... Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.